Rahim. Alhamdulillah, he wakafa was salaman ala badi hiladi nostafa ma bad. Fauth billahi minash shaitan in regime, smilla hirahman in Rahim. Badiyo samawati wal ard, wa ida kada umran, fa inama yakulu la hukun fa yakun. Sadakullahul adim, subhana rabbika rabbil azati amma yasifun, was salaman al mursalin, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. So this week we arrive at the name Al-Badi'a. Badi'a means, they have it translated in this book as the absolute cause, but that's more of a nuanced meaning. It's It's more has a meaning of being the absolute original. And by necessity then, he becomes, he is also the, uh, the absolute cause of things. But Badir is something unique, something to originate something new. So it is to originate something or to bring about something new without ever having a model or an example prior to that. And so nothing similar is known to it. And so if nothing is like it, Right, you, if something is created and there's no model or example for it to have, to, to have gone on, that means there's nothing like it in attribute, there's nothing like it in action, there's nothing, nothing, uh, there's nothing like it at all. And that thing is attributed to a particular being, then that being is the absolute original right? and the absolute cause of that thing to be in existence. So Imam Razi, rahmullah, he says that this word has two meanings. It is that either something that is unique, so you could say, when you see something unique, you could say, oh, this is badir. Uh, or it refers to someone who does something unique. So now we're speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, badir samawati wal ard. First, the first verse we recited was badir samawati wal ard, that Allah ta'ala is the original creator, you can say, of the heavens and the earth, وَإِذَا قَضَىٰ أَمْرًا And when he stipulates something in a fair, فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Then he only has to say, كُنْ, and it becomes. He says, be and it is. And in reality, this is just an example for us. Allah Ta'ala doesn't even have to say, كُنْ. Right? And then you go into discussions about the speech of Allah and what is that. But that's for Aqidah classes. Which is a really good, this is a good launching point for an Aqidah class. But that requires dedicated, definitely coming every week. If you miss a week or two, you're lost. <coughs> anyway, another place in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَدِيعُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That Allah ta'ala, He is the originator of the heavens and the earth. أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ وَلَدٌ وَلَمْ تَكُلْ لَهُ صَاحِبًا That uh, how could there be a child for him when there was no wife for him? وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ And He created everything. وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ And He is omniscient of everything. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strikes this parable for us to tell us, to show us that He created the heavens and He created the earth. Everything He created. And there was nothing like, was there anything like the earth before He created the earth? No. Was there anything like the heavens? Is there anything like the heavens even now? No. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created these things. Then He says, how could there be a child for Him? He's giving, how are these two connected? Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could originate and create the heavens and the earth and everything in between, then would it also not be simple for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create a child without having a father? He's speaking about Isa alayhi here. He says that he does not 
how, would, how is there to be a child attributed to him when he does not have a wife, when he has no wife for him? That what is the, you know, there needs to be another, uh, for there to be a child attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that means that there has to be some wife or some other partner for him in order to have given birth to that child. But there cannot be. And so now when you might say, oh well, so then wh- who was Isa Islam's father then? Contradiction here. No contradiction because Allah Ta'ala already said, samawati wal ard. He originated the heavens and the earth. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't have to use the means. Right? The typical means that we might have, the typical causes that there might be in order for some event to come about is not necessary for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Because just as He created Adam Alayhi Salam, He can create Isa Alayhi Salam. And just as He created the heavens and the earth and everything else, Allah Ta'ala is, He doesn't have a roadmap. He doesn't have a guide. He doesn't have instructions and directions on how to build something. Allah Ta'ala just creates. And this is a unique feature to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So Imam Ghazali, he says that humans cannot originate. We can only discover what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has created. So a long time ago we mentioned that Allah, you know, probably under Khaliq, and Musawwir and, and those names, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, creation comes from His knowledge. Under Alim we might have mentioned it. Creation comes from the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whereas our knowledge comes through observation, and it comes from the creation. So Allah ta'ala, creation comes from Allah's knowledge, and our knowledge comes from the creation, by observing. Right? So our knowledge is secondary to something being there in front of us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is absolute, and it is Without beginning, it is unlearned. And so, the ulama bring examples. They say that uh, even though our inventions are, they might be the first of its kind, but they are still modeled after the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, for example, we have planes, but those are modeled after the birds. We have submarines, but those are modeled after uh, fish. And everything else, there's an idea for it, for us, from it, there's an idea for us, from some creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so then we build according to that, and we invent according to that. But we do not originate something on our own. We do not originate something on our own. We only discover what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. You might say the light bulb. But light was not invented. The light bulb was invented, but, the, but light was not invented, right? Light was discovered. Now he says that some, some stop there. At that, they, they invent something that is unique and they stop there and they profit from their gains. And then what typically happens is we end up attributing the glory and the awe of that invention to ourselves, the greatness of that invention to ourselves. People will come up with all types of new technology. We might come up with some new type of technology and then people praise it and they praise us and we think, like today, I mean, how many of us have heard a conversation where we say, today we are smarter than we have ever been. The world is smarter. No, it's not. The people that are inventing those things that we're using, the tools that we are inventing are smarter. But we, are we really smarter? Like the person who invented the smartphone, that took some genius, right? But my usage of the smartphone doesn't show how smart I am. And actually, you can very strongly argue that excessive usage of these things actually makes us dumber, <laughs> right? You could argue it. I mean, the phone numbers that I had memorized when I was a kid, I still have memorized, but I cannot memorize any phone numbers now. Why? We don't try, right? We don't, we don't try to do that. People used to, even like knowledge, people, Islamic knowledge, ulama, and uh, we look at secular sciences, doctors, all these things. The, 
the level is going down, is decreasing. Why? Because we're so dependent upon our technology that we have put our mind aside and we are content with having the technology and the books at our fingertips and so we just look things up. Literally, somebody told me that they spoke to a doctor and the doctor actually told them that when a patient comes into me, we all have computers in our, <laughs> in our rooms and we turn the screen away from them, they tell us their symptoms, we type it into WebMD. <laughs> Why did you go to school? Like, you know, yeah, okay, maybe they can sift through it a little bit better than we might be able to on WebMD, but, you know, the level of doctors has gone down, engineers has gone down from what it once was. The same can be said for, for the sacred sciences as well. We also have tools and technology, all these things at our fingertips, right? Students of knowledge now, what do they do? They end up going and instead of breaking your head on some line of Arabic to understand what the heck, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, what did Rasulullah mean here? What, are, what do the fiqh books mention? Because it is something that needs to be deciphered, right? Um, they'll just go look up a translation of it, you know? And what that's doing is it's actually limiting you because what, you're not sharpening your mind, right? You're not, your mind is like a knife and if you don't use it, it becomes dull. So that's what's happening. The level of, you know, everyone's ability is becoming, you know, weaker and weaker. But anyway... Uh, you know, so what ends up happening, going back to the point, that some people stop at that, but they invent something new, and then they allow the, the praise of that invention to go to their head, and thus becoming arrogant. They attribute that greatness to themselves, and you feel, you feel like you are untouchable. But this is a dangerous place to be in, to feel untouchable. Others, what do they do? Others rise above, and they realize that the original, they realize the original. Who? They realize Al-Badi'ah. They realize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who actually is the original cause of all of these things. And they attribute everything to Him and they, what? Connect the creation with the Creator. So when we start getting into the different sciences and physics and whatnot, it can, it, it can distract us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can cause us to doubt the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And think about it, when we talk about the creation of insan, we will say that man, humankind is the greatest of all creation, or is the greatest living species, right, species. And yes, that is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, a virtue Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given humankind. But we, I don't know whether it's out of our own ego or what, we don't want to attribute that, you know, those people who don't have the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and are firmly you know, embedded in like, no, science is the way, right? So there's some people who might not have the belief in Allah, but they take science for what it is. And, you know, there's some people who are just like, no, science is the absolute way and there's nothing else has to absolutely be proven by means of seeing it or observing it or whatever the case may be, right? It's an extreme form. For whatever reason, it's, it's almost like we take it as a, as a knock against humankind to say that, our cells did not develop in this way on their own, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that developed the cells like this. That it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that created us this way. I don't know. If Allahu alam, I'm not saying and leveling an accusation that it is as a result of their egos, but it's a possibility. It's a possibility. And so some people by going you know, a little bit into science, they end up becoming, uh, it, it goes to their head. They become arrogant for humankind. But then there's those that go really deep into it and they couple it with this sound understanding 
of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, and what does it do? You begin, you begin just being, uh, you begin being, you know, going into awe, having the sense of awe of the creation of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. That look at, look at our bodies, how difficult and intricate our bodies are. Like we don't even know how, how complex our bodies are. And we don't even know what the, you know, solar systems, we don't even know what the oceans on the earth contain. And to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created such a thing. Like honestly for me, when you look at the, the, the human body, this is a proof in the, cre- in the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because I don't think it pos- it's not possible that by trial and error you could just come up with this great machine that can filter out all of this stuff, like the things that we eat and the junk that we put into our body for years and decades and decades will filter it out, filter it out, filter it out. And then as the time of our death approaches, sometimes our organs start failing. You know, and sometimes people have more pain in certain aspects of their life and their body because of the way they might have lived earlier on. But it's not, you can't fathom that how could the body just by trial and error create something like this, develop into something like this. This had to be the design, the beautiful design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He created this. So some, they look at these inventions, not creation simply, but inventions, and they rise above this uh, arrogance and this ego. And they begin connecting the creation to the Creator. It's like Rasulullah he, you know, and other anbiya and messengers as well. They had miracles that were performed on their hands. And they would, you know, the Qur'an, for example, speaks about certain events. Revelation came to Rasulullah regarding, you know, even things about anatomy. That could not be, you couldn't tell at that time. And when asked about that, that where are you getting this information? They would attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's those that take that path and they rise above it and then they connect people. They connect the creation to the creator. The, some of the ulama, they mention, they say that the ones who work with divine wisdom are lights. Uh, and the ones who practice knowledge are guides. And the ones who give good advice are lamps. And the ones who think and know are alive. And the ones who are ignorant are dead. So this should be our objective in life, that whatever, whatever major we choose, whatever, you know, uh, what's it called, career we go into, we should always see how can we benefit the creation through this service. And how can we, you know, even if that's like, you, sometimes you can't see how, how, uh, that you can have a direct benefit. But it's there. It's, it's a matter of being cognizant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more we are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what pleases Him, the more we will start, just as we start seeing the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence and beauty and glory in all of creation, so too will we see how we can, through our careers, directly benefit people. And it might not even necessarily be through our exact job. But because Allah ta'ala has put us in that position and we're earning money, we can provide benefit financially through our, through our finances and whatnot. You know, like there was a... I think in California, there were some, there's a whole group of doctors and they wanted to create a free clinic. Muslim doctors, they wanted to create a free clinic. But they couldn't do so. It was a whole team of them. Like, I don't know how many, five, ten of them. They couldn't do it. It was very difficult for them. Something kept coming in the way, coming in the way. Until what happened? In this whole team of doctors that wanted to create this free clinic, they brought in one businessman. And he put the operation together. So they were doing all the, you know, the medical stuff. But the operation administration, he was doing that. Why? Because... They were doctors. They weren't trained in that uh, aspect of life. The businessman was trained in that aspect of life, but he wasn't trained in the medical stuff. 
So they came together and now benefited, they're benefiting the entire community with this free clinic. Right? So Rasulullah regarding this name, uh, or sorry, Imam Ghazali, he says that a prophet, a saint, or a person of knowledge where no one is like him, either in his generation or one past, or a past generation, is original in relation to what makes him unique. So Badi' is what? The original, the absolute original, the unique one, the ri- absolute, the original cause. So what is the share we can take from it? Uh, he says, first and foremost, the Anbiya, السلام, then the, uh, the pious saints, and then the people of knowledge. Uh, and then the people of knowledge. When there is nobody that is like them in that time, or perhaps a time before, or maybe there was people like them before, but in this in our current era, there might not be somebody like them, then they can, we can say that that individual is unique. And it doesn't only mean people of, it doesn't cut off at the people of knowledge, but he's showing the people who have the most virtue. So if you are providing some type of service to humanity, some service to the deen, to the community, and nobody has done it before, or you're doing it in a way that others could not accomplish, then you can also, it can also be said about you that you are also unique and have taken a share from this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that we should witness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of everything in its essence, in its attributes and actions. And such a person is given the ability to accomplish and build what others could not. That this individual, when they take a share of this name, then they are able to build and accomplish something that others were not able to do. Many people try to build many things. Let's think about from a community standpoint. They try and build a lot of things you know, in the specific Muslim community, but they're not able to do so, Right? Even in the secular fields, people have a lot of great ideas, but it doesn't take off. Other ideas take off. Others are able to build something. So it can be said about them that they, are, uh, they have attained this type of uniqueness. Rasulullah once heard a man making dua using this name. Uh, saying, oh, you know, Ya Badiya Samawati Wal Ard. That, oh, the originator of the heavens and the earth. And then he went on praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he asked for Jannah and protection from Jahannam and Rasulullah he said that his dua will be accepted because of using this name. And then some of the ulama mentioned that if we repeat this name often, then uh, it, should, it will inshallah open up the doors to wisdom in speech and in intentions for us. So we mentioned many times before that the different names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have different benefits for us. So if we are... If we mention this, if we make dhikr of this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot, then it opens up the doors of wisdom for us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran, فَاطِرُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ جَعَلَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجَ وَمِنَ الْأَنْعَامِ أَزْوَاجَ That فَاطِرُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah ta'ala is the uh, originator and creator of the heavens and the earth and He has made for you from amongst yourselves spouses and He has made for amongst the, from amongst the, cow, the cattle spouses as well. Yadra, uh, uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, spreads you like that, uh, through that, that there is nothing akin to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So this, we've referenced this verse many times throughout the, the class. There is nothing at all like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's even an emphasis in this, in this verse, kamithlihi, that there is nothing at all, absolutely nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus, He is the absolute original. He is the beginning who has no beginning. And He is before everything else. Then we come to the name. So these, all three of these names that we'll do today, inshallah, they're all sort of connected. And uh, we come then to the name Al-Baqi. 
So al-baqi is what? Al-baqi is the everlasting one. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Qur'an, quoting the, the magicians of Fir'aun, He says, that indeed we believe in our Lord so that He may forgive us for our sins. Uh, and for what you forced us to do, for the magic that you forced us to do. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is goodness. And Allah ta'ala is the best. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everlasting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains. So what, why did the magicians of Fir'aun say this? The reason the magicians of Fir'aun said this was because what happened? They wanted to, right, there was the whole big showdown between Musa al-Islam and the magicians. And so Fir'aun, he said, okay, let's go, you know, I have my magicians, you're just a magician anyway. So they came and the magicians threw down, threw down their staff, turned into snakes, Everyone's ooing and aahing. So Musa Islam throws down his staff. It also turns into a snake. But what were the magicians doing? They weren't actually doing magic. They were just causing illusions. Musa Islam's snake ate their snake. And now they realized like, this is not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> this is just a show. It's just an illusion. It's, not, it's just supposed to look like it's eating. It's not actually supposed to be able to do this. Immediately, because they were the experts of that field, they recognized that what Musa Islam is doing is something different. This is not what we're doing. And so they became amongst the first to believe in Musa and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and then Fir'aun threatened them. He threatened them that he will kill them. He threatened them that he will cut off uh, their limbs and he will crucify them. And so they said, well, we do what you want to us. We believe in our Lord so that he may forgive us for our sins. And you were the, ones that, you were the one that forced us to do this magic anyway so that he may forgive us for that as well and do what you want because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that by extension what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how he rewards those who believe in him is abqa it is everlasting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what is with him is everlasting so baqi is the everlasting one and it means the opposite of extinction so something that can become extinct the opposite of that is al-baqi it also has the meaning, meaning of obedience and staying in goodness. So if you study Aqidah, and inshallah, we all have the tawfiq of studying Aqidah because it's a necessary science and required on all of us. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His first attributes that are mentioned in the books of Aqidah are typically that He is Al-Wujud, that He is present, is existent, right? And He is Al-Qidam, and He is Al-Baqa, and He is Al-Mukhalafatu Lil-Hawadith, and He is Al-Qiyamu bin Nafs That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Qidam He has the attribute of Qidam Of being pre-eternal And he has the attribute of Al-Baqa Being post-eternal So why, do we, why can't we just say eternal? Why can't we just say What is the difference between saying that And saying he's pre-eternal and post-eternal? Because pre-eternal and post-eternal Emphasizes that he has no beginning You think of eternity Eternity still had a beginning Allah ta'ala had no beginning and so these are amongst the first attributes that are mentioned of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That His existence is necessary in and of itself. It is absolutely necessary. And so Allah ta'ala cannot take Himself out of existence. It's impossible. Cannot happen. <clears throat> when we speak about everlasting, when we speak about something that will be forever or that is forever, when it's related to the future, it's called everlasting. And when it is related to the past, it is called eternal. 
right? So everlasting for the future and eternal when related to the past. And eternal is qadim. However, Imam Ghazali says, <coughs> let me just read what he says. He says, yet only changeable things participate in past or future, because past or future are temporal expressions, and only change or motion participate in time, since motion is divided into past and future, and changeable things participate in time by means of change, that is motion. Everyone together still? <laughs> Should I repeat it? Only changeable things, so he's talking about, talking about being eternal and everlasting as far as past and future are concerned. But then he says, yet only changeable things, so only those things that can change, participate in past or future. That you can only apply this idea of past and future to things that can change. Because past or future are temporal expressions. They are temporary. And only change or motion participate in time. That what is time? Time is nothing but change. That's how you measure time, is change. You can see it if like, you know, when I used to I, go into South Africa... You come back and I would see my nephews and nieces. I would just see them older. And that was the only thing. Even now, I'll say that I'll have a memory and I'll be telling someone about it. And I'll say, yeah, it was just, you know, maybe three, four years ago. And then I remember that three, four years ago, I was in South Africa and I was there for about six years. So this is actually must have been three, four years before that. It was like 10 years ago. You only notice a change by those around you growing up, right? And particularly when you don't see them for a while. So time is only measured by change. Uh, and changeable things participate in time by means of change. So what is above change and motion is not in time. Whatever is beyond changing and what is beyond being in motion, that is not in time. That is not encompassed by time. And past or future has no part in it because it's not encompassed by time and past and future is related to time. So in, in, such, things, uh, so in such things passing is no different from enduring. For past and future are only real for us when things have elapsed for us or in us, or when new things will occur. It is necessary that things happen one after another so that they can be divided into a past which has already ceased to exist and is over, a present which is current, and that whose later renewal is expected. So to the extent that there is no renewal or no expiration, there is no time. How could this be otherwise? For the truth, al-haq, for, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was before time, and to the extent that he created time, is not at all changed in his essence. So Allah Ta'ala doesn't change. He is before time. He's the one that actually created time. And time will also come to an end one day, as will all the rest of what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has created in this dunya. It will come to an end as well. Uh, for time itself is temporal and a creation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as like the events, it might be a sort of a linear fashion, but time is not moving. There's no, like there's no day and there's no like night and the, you know, revolution of the sun at that time. And there's no sun even in Jannah, <laughs> right? So all of these things that measure time are not found, you know what I mean? And it's just everlasting. Like we won't even need to sleep, right? To gain, gain energy and whatnot, right? So, um... Yeah, I think as, on, as far as a linear fashion is going, like, yeah, there might be certain things that happen at different stages, right? 
Um, but uh, time, as far as this world, Allah Ta'ala will bring it to an end. And just like He bring us to an end, perhaps He will bring a sense of time back just like He will bring us back. Right? But it won't, it, it, I don't think, from my understanding, it doesn't seem that it would be the same way as it is now in that like, we get older and then we, like, things diminish and all that stuff. That's not what's going to be happening. Right? It's just going to be like a constant. Right? Uh, <clears throat> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created time and time did not apply to him. And after creating time, he continued as he had been. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't change either. That's why it's not appropriate to say that Allah ta'ala is always increasing. We can say the prophets and messengers were always increasing. We can say that the prophet was always increasing in his nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we cannot say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is increasing. Why? Because if we said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is increasing, that would mean that he, is not, he does not have perfection. So to say that he is infinitely increasing is actually showing that he is not perfect. Because perfection needs no change. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect, therefore he does not change. He does not increase nor decrease. Yeah. So that's not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, sees that now something is better, right? Whereas he didn't know that it was better before. But for different wisdoms, uh, like for example, even within, you know, from one ummah to the next, there are certain things that were allowed at a certain time, like Sulaiman al-Islam. They were actually allowed to carve statues. But that's not allowed for us, right? Um, so the, the, the sharia of Rasulullah is an abrogator for past sharias. But even within time of Rasulullah there were there are abrogations that took place uh, for example with alcohol it wasn't always prohibited and then it became prohibited in stages and so Allah Ta'ala had a wisdom in uh, why he decreed it that way right so in the case of alcohol for example developing the Muslims at that time that they were able to leave it slowly and then become firm in it whereas uh, you know Aisha, Aisha for example said that uh, you know, had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not done it this way, then the people would have said, oh, this is too tough for me, I'm not going to become Muslim, right? So it's not a change in decree, uh, like some other, you know, religious texts say that he created light and then he saw that it was good. Allah ta'ala already knew that it was good, right? So a change in decree is not uh, that Allah ta'ala is like learning something new or that he is changing, but the decree for humanity might be changing, right? For our practice of it. For example, and obviously, like after Rasulullah there's no more change in decree, right? I suppose technically you can say like food might be halal and then it might be haram because like the company starts putting something haram in it, or you know what I mean? But that's that's different. That's not the focus. Like that's not the 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 realm, that, the field that we're speaking about here, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So Allah Taala doesn't change Himself. He doesn't learn anything new. Allah Taala never had to learn anything. His knowledge was always there with Him. Um, it cannot be taken away from him. He cannot forget. And the essence and being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't go, th go through any changes as well either. Uh, so when everything is destroyed, then time will also be destroyed. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-baqi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still exist. Now, it's important that we understand that everything comes and goes. That this world is like a guest house for us. And for humanity, it's a guest house for everything. And humanity, for humanity, it is a place that we can choose to either grow thorns or to grow, grow crops and fruits. We can either choose to, to grow things that are going to be problematic and detrimental to us, or we can grow those things that are going to be beneficial and beautiful 
And when is the harvest for that? The harvest for that is in the Akhirah. The harvest for that is in the hereafter. And some of the ulama, they give examples that when we are going through this life, it's like a parade. We walk through this life with different, like a parade, under different banners, with different uniforms on, with different groups. And eventually all of that comes to an end, just as the parade comes to an end. Just like one group passes and is now finished, the next group comes along. This is how life is for how many generations have passed before us. And speaking within a, you know, a Muslim community sense, you know, you, there's a lot of different, we call it like a different manhaj, right? So, you know, you might have people who adhere to a specific group of ulama. And we're talking within the same sects. But just because we associate with a particular group in a particular sect does not guarantee our salvation because we are going to be judged for our actions, right? Our base belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messengers has to be, you know, uh, there's a standard for that. After that, just because we say, oh, I'm with, you know, I like these scholars. I'm with these people. That's not, Allah is not going to say, oh, which scholars were you with? Okay, go to Jannah. No, he's going to see how, how did we act, right? Where, how did we live our life? And so everything will come to an end eventually, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the question is, if Allah ta'ala is al-baqi and he's the everlasting, then what about Jannah? Is Jannah also, we said nothing is like him and Allah ta'ala is everlasting and post-eternal. So Jannah, does Jannah come to an end? So then how is that, if it doesn't, how is that different than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? There was a beginning, yeah. But what about the attribute? The be, so being beginningless is a different attribute. But in the, be, in the attribute of being endless, how is it different from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's the creation of Allah. It's the creation of Allah, yeah. It's sustained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it doesn't, it, it, Allah ta'ala doesn't, its existence is not necessary. Allah ta'ala can remove it just like that. It is sustained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas what? Allah ta'ala is al-qiyamu bin nafs, that he is self-sustaining. Nothing else is self-sustaining. And so <clears throat> the advice is then given by the ulama that we have to attain, we have to come into this um, state of baqabillah. That, and that is to drown ourselves in the servantship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recognize who we are and who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, thereby recognizing who we are not. <laughs> And drown in the servantship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love, try to drown in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then invest in that type of sadaqah that will keep giving. So it's called sadaqah al-jariyah, right? Sadaqah al-jariyah. That, that, that type of investment, that type of sadaqah that continues on. So for example, you create a madrasa that people continue learning in, right? After you're gone, after you're dead, People continue learning, you continue benefiting even though you're dead. You create a, you know, a food shelter, a food bank or something like that. Long after you're dead, those people who are in need, they come and they continue eating, they continue benefiting because of something that you set up. The Prophet said in meaning that who is, what is the best, one of the best forms of Sadaqat al-Jariyah is to have pious children. That you have pious children, teach them the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way of Islam, and then that is the best sadaqah for you. Because when they are pious, then that will continue. And all the good that they do after you are dead will continue in your book of deeds. Yeah. I had a question about that. So what if you like adopt like five kids? Is there like good deeds on you or is it on their parents? So the idea is that you nurtured them and taught them that goodness. Okay. 
So if you taught that to them, and similarly, it doesn't have to just be your, your own kids, but because typically you have the most impact on your kids, right? Which, like, you might think, I'm not, never going to be like that. And it's, you just, as you get older, you just start seeing how much, like, oh, my God, I'm exactly like my parents. Right? Yeah. Okay. Can we wait till the end? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's more about um, teaching goodness. And then when that, that good continues to be done after you're gone, then it continues going into your account. Right? And similarly, if you teach someone how to sin, that, and they sin, then that also goes into your account, right? Because you taught them and showed them that sin. So we have to be, there's, you know, one of my friends, he, he posted, he's been taking a lot of pictures in his garden, okay, in South Africa. And uh, he recently put up a picture of a lotus flower. And uh, you guys know about the lotus flower? The lotus. Right? Are you talking about something else? No. Okay. <laughs> the lotus flower, what is it? The lotus flower is, is a flower that grows in gunk and in mud. And everything around it is mud, and it grows, and it's, it's really beautiful. And despite being in mud, its leaves and petals are not stained by the mud that's around it. And then when it dies, it turns into a fruit. So he put this forward as a lesson for us and creation that this is, we, should, we should try to be like that lotus flower, that with all the pollution going on around us, we build ourselves and have such a close relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is highly due to dhikr as well. That when we are rusted by the pollution around us, we make dhikr and clean ourselves, purify ourselves. Uh, and then we are not affected by that or the effects of that are wiped away. And then after we are, just as the lotus flower, after it dies, it turns into a fruit. We also, after we die, should leave fruit that, can be, that others can benefit uh, from it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in Surah Al-A'la that قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تَزَكَّى That uh, successful is the one who purifies himself. وَذَكَرَ اسْمَ رَبِّهِ فَصَلَّى And he makes the dhikr of the name of his Lord, then he prays. بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا But you prefer the life of this world. وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبَقَى Whereas the hereafter is better and everlasting. Right? Surah Al-A'la That this is how you, you purify yourself and you make dhikr of the name of Allah and you Make your salah and don't be somebody who prefers the life of this world because the hereafter is better and the hereafter is everlasting for us. <clears throat> Any questions about that? So there's so what I what, first of all what I meant was that you just um, associate yourself to a group um, that perhaps maybe for example in the sight of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala completely on the haq but like just by associating with them and failing to act that's not like that's not how we are meant to live our life right we have to be people who actually act and do the good right um, as far as so what was your question then? Like how some scholars will say you have to do these certain things um, or else you're going to hell or else you're not Muslim or something like that and other scholars will not say those kind of things so I feel like it would be hard so to follow the scholars who don't say those kind of things because 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, so it gets confusing and whatnot, but um, it, that's why it's best to um, not shop around for it, right? So we have to go back to that, that idea of chain of transmission, right? And that, like that unbroken chain back to Rasulullah Now, multiple peop- multi- diff- many people will have that, and they have different approaches. So some people will be just more stern by nature, right? And some people will be more soft by nature. And some things that sound severe... They're not necessarily totally unfounded, but they might not be, you know, exactly the way a person is mentioning, right? So there are certain things that will take us out of the fold of Islam, right? Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, it just really just depends on the context and whatnot. I mean, you know, the better way is to be softer, right? Um, and aside from shirk, obviously, there isn't any sin that we commit that is, we can say definitively that this is what's going to cause our jahannam and our destruction, um, there's a possibility, right? Um, and that possibility is going to be different for different people. You know, so there's many a hadith where Rasulullah said, if you do such and such an action, you have Jannah. If you do such and such an action, then this is a person might be destroyed or whatnot, right? Um, but it's relative to the individual and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala views that, that same action, right? A lot of times it comes out of sincerity. A person is so absolutely sincere in something that Allah ta'ala accepts this as a cause for their salvation and he doesn't accept that same action the same from someone else where uh, you know and something maybe done in the complete disregard uh and sort of challenge against allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh you know for example somebody might i don't know somebody might steal or something like that you know like for example somebody might say that if somebody sells alcohol then there's no barakah in their wealth two people might both sell alcohol one person is like oh you know i don't i shouldn't do it but what can i do i have a weakness right and i'm going to sell it because i can't fathom the idea that i will, I will make less money by selling it, right? So they sell it. Another person might say, oh, all that is just stupid and I'm going to sell it because there's none of this stuff is just ridiculous, right? So one might be, and I'm not saying which one, I mean, it seems to be obvious which one is worse than the other, but um, that's ultimately up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? That Allah ta'ala might take, uh, take it more as a challenge from one person as an example and not as much from another person, um, and so that might be the cause of destruction for one person, whereas that same action might not be the cause of destruction for another. So it's, it's relative. You know, we have to remember that Allah Ta'ala is the one that judges. You know? And yeah, some people are very loose in like, oh, you do this, you're going to hell. You do this, you're going to hell. You do this, you're going to hell. Whereas that's, that's not, I don't feel that's the prophetic way to do that, right? Uh, although there are instances where Rasulullah said that um, certain people will be in Jahannam and they would ask, well, why Rasulullah? And he would say, oh, because of X, Y, and Z, because they are excessive in this type of action. But again, it's not, it's a lesson that he's trying to paint for us. It's not definitive that you do this and that's it. No hope left for you and, you know, that type of thing. So uh, I think part of what, what you might be um, referencing is the approach that people have, right? And ultimately, <clears throat> everyone is of a different nature. So one person might be that individual that is like, no, I just, I need the hard line, you know? Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, we, we try to be soft and say and be sort of more open to people and people will come and be like, yeah, you're all just sellouts, you know, you're just being too open and this and that. And this person might be, you know, there's a certain uh, environment and group of people that might need a little bit more laxity, right? So there's wisdom in that. Like there's a uh, example, Sheikh Mawana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, rahimahullah, he was a great scholar of Pakistan. He sent one of his students to a village and um, he said, go and make the islah of the people there. I might have told this story here before, um, 
but he goes, a student goes there and he sees that these people are not practicing anything of Islam. They're engaging in, for all intents and purposes, looks like shirk. <laughs> so he writes back to the sheikh and he's like, where did you send me? You know, these people are, I don't think these people are even Muslim. They're doing such and such actions and they're not doing anything else. So the sheikh wrote back to him and he said, don't tell them to stop that one action yet. Why? Because that one action they are doing, although it is un-Islamic, to them, that is what they know of the deen. And they're not doing anything else, correct? He said, right. He said, right, so they're not doing anything else. Earn their trust, be soft with them. When they trust you and then you tell them this is wrong, they will follow it and they will listen to it. You know? And then the day came, he wrote back to his teacher and he said, the islah of this village has been made. You know? So it's contextual, right? Sometimes you take a more lax approach because of a specific group of people and other people... You know, like with, with a couple of my students, I'll, I'll be very stern on them with certain things, right? Uh, a couple of my students, I actually told them, if I see you guys doing this type of thing, I'm not teaching you anymore. Whereas like, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys that, right? Like, <laughs> it's a different type of knowledge that's being, that's being given a different code that is expected, right? So it depends on the people and the environment to answer your question. I tend not to be brief in my question answering, like people get lost and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so we'll go on. Uh, the next name is Al-Warith. Al-Warith is the inheritor. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the inheritor. He is the one to whom possessions return after possessions disappear. After possessions disappear in this world, after things and life come to an end in this world, they return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why we say when a person dies, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, that indeed to Allah we belong and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we return. Right? Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا, بما آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ That those who are miserly with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them from His grace should not think هُوَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ That it is good for them, that their miserliness is good for them بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ But it is bad, it is evil for them سَيُطَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That they will um, what is it? Sayutawakuna bima bakhilu bihi. No Arabs here, huh? Yes? Sayutawakuna? It's leaving my mind right now. Uh, I think it, it might be that it will perish. Whatever they were miserly of, I, it, it will be presented, perhaps. Surah Al Imran. That it will be presented, I think it means that it will be presented uh, on the day of judgment. It will come out and be apparent on the day of judgment. Whatever they were miserly of, whatever they hoarded, basically, right? Wallillahi, mirathu samawati wal earth. To Allah belongs the inheritance of the heavens and the earth. Wallahu bima ta'amaluna khabir. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing, is all inf- well informed of what you do. Allah ta'ala is well informed of what you do. So what? He is. He is the inheritor of what is in the heavens and the earth. So everything we have, our money, our whatever we have, our possessions, our wealth, including ourselves, all of it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of it will return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even our own bodies are lent to us. We are entrusted with our bodies and our life. Our life belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so... It is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it will be returned. And that's why because it's been entrusted to us, we are not the owners of it. So we have to live our life in those ways, in, the, in accordance to what will please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He endears after the creation vanishes. 
And Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he brings a verse, لَمِنَ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ That to who Allah Ta'ala will ask on the Day of Judgment. That to who does sovereignty belong on this day? And Allah Ta'ala is the one that answers, لِلَّهِ وَاحِدِ الْقَهَارِ That to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the one, the dominant, that is the one to whom it belongs. And we mentioned this verse before, I think, that Allah Ta'ala is the one that He will ask this. And it is a reminder to those, to all of us, but definitely to all of those who think that like their kingdom and their sovereignty in this land will never end. Right? We, people, they live their lives, uh, they live as though the wealth that they have amassed will stay with them forever. We just continue hoarding and hoarding and amassing. We build vast structures. We build vast buildings. We think that we're leaving a legacy behind. Uh, and the people will look at it and wonder at it and, and praise us. And perhaps this even happens to an extent, right? Perhaps it even happens. Uh, I mean, there's de- definitely evidence of that, right? We still, we go to different countries sightseeing and we look at the grand structures, right? That, that were built centuries and thousands and thousands of years ago. And that happens. But it still comes to an end. Our life still comes to an end. Those things we build still go into ruin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that Al-Hakumu takathur that you will continue competing with each other in the amassing of wealth until when? Hatta zurtumul maqabir until you are in your graves. Kalla sofa ta'alamun. Know that that is not appropriate, the appropriate attitude. Sofa ta'alamun. Soon you will come to know. Thumma kalla sofa ta'alamun. Soon you will come to know. Kalla law ta'alamun ilm al yaqeen. If only you knew with that, with conviction. If only you understood this with conviction. So we, we live our life amassing this wealth for what? Right? Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that has said, is it just me or is the bells like really loud today? <laughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, وَإِنَّا لَنَحْنُ نُحْيِي وَنُمِيتُ وَنَحْنُ الْوَارِثُونَ That indeed, uh, we are the ones that give life and we are the ones that give death and we are the inheritors. We give life, we give death. We bring things about and we cause the ruin and everything comes back to us. Allah Ta'ala inherits everything. So we hoard and we're miserly. That's not going to benefit us. Wealth only benefits us when? When it leaves us. Money only benefits us when, we, when it leaves us. Either to spend or that we give in sadaqah. Right? So we, we are a people that even that wealth is entrusted to us by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. So we should spend it in ways that are beneficial. And we shouldn't say that, oh, if only I had this much money then I would have done such and such a sin. Because being envious of sin is sinful itself. Rather, we should be people that say, if I had, you know, if I had this much money, I would give it all in. I wish I could give it all in charity. All this money, I could give it in charity. And then you get the reward of actually doing it. You know, sometimes, right, the time of like the era of fundraisers is coming. We're coming up to Ramadan, <laughs> right? From, from now till like through Ramadan, it's fundraising, right? Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to build things that will be self-sustaining as well. But, you know, um, what happens? Sometimes, you know, especially like we're students, we don't have a lot of money. Sometimes people give like a few hundred thousand dollars. Sometimes people give 10,000, 20,000, whatever. If we just make the intention that if I had that money, you know, I would have given it today. Then we have that reward as though we actually gave that money as well. Right? And miserliness and hoarding, these are diseases of the heart as well. And they are, they are severe. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah said, narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, that, وَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ لَوْ لَا بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ لَمْ يَخْبُثْ الطَّعَامُ وَلَوْ يَخْنَزِ اللَّحْمُ That Rasulullah said that if only, if only Banu Israel had not, uh, if only they had not hoarded their food, 
If only if it was not for them, then their food would, uh, our food would not have gone bad and meat would not have become rotten. So the past nations, one of the problem, things that they used to do is hoard the food that they had. Not give it out to people. They used to be miserly with it. And food was not, did not spoil at that time. But because of that miserliness and that hoarding and keeping benefit away from others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inflicted it. And now like we all suffer the consequences for that as well. Food goes bad. That was the sabah behind it. And, you know, perhaps one of the wisdoms was to teach us this lesson that don't be miserly. Then Imam Muzali, he says that those given spiritual perception have always realized the reality without hearing it through sounds or letters. What reality? There are those who are ignorant of the fact that we will return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or we choose to ignore it. And we live our life as though we will not return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there are those who are given spiritual perception and they, will, they always realize this reality that Allah Ta'ala is the one that everyone will be returned to and He is the inheritor of all of it. And they have this, they have this realization despite not having the announcement through sounds and letters. Constantly it stays in our mind. And so then we, it enables us to live a life of obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. He says also, he says that, um, <clears throat> he says, Now those endowed with spiritual perception have always realized the meaning of this announcement, hearing it without benefit of sound or letters, certain that possession belongs to Allah in every moment of every hour of every day, and that He has been thus always, and shall be so eternally. But this is grasped only by one who perceives the truth of divine unity, Tawheed, in the work of creation, and knows that the solitary one at work in power and sovereignty is one, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we have explained that in the beginning of Kitabut Tawakkul in Ihyalu Muddin. Let it be sought there, for this book cannot contain it. So you can seek it out in Ihyalu Muddin more <laughs> detail about that. So inshallah, we have the last two names left Al Rashid and Al Sabur, the right in guidance and the patient. Uh, inshallah, we'll finish with that next week and we'll have some light refreshments and, and whatnot as well. So after five quarters, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to finish the book now, inshallah. Any other questions? You guys, yeah, go ahead. Is this the adoption thing? Okay. Yeah, let's just, we'll just make finish with Dua and then you can ask. You guys can stay or leave and whatever. But um, yeah, we'll have light refreshments next week, inshallah. I don't know if you guys want to help out with that, then maybe you can help out. <laughs> MSA. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, we can, we'll take care of it. Um, but let me know if like a lot of people are saying they're going to come, like, so we have enough. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, you can let me know. Inshallah. Yeah, that's fine. Depending on what it is, a lot of people think come. Do not say pizza. They will come. Like, they will come. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Students. Hordes will come. Don't do it. Yeah, if MSA wants to do that, that'd be cool. You know, if you guys want to do that, inshallah. We need a, big, we need a bigger room. Oh. I mean, <laughs> I'll bring, we have the other room, you know? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'll bring my son, inshallah. <laughs> yeah, if he's up for it. My wife's up for it. <laughs> Allahumma anta salam, kis salam, tabarak, tiyad al-jadari wal-ikram. 
Allah, forgive us of our sins, our major sins and our minor sins. Ya Allah, let us embody that which we have been learning. Ya Allah, let us realize your existence and our servitude to you. Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let us be those people who please you, Ya Allah. Let us love to be those people who please you, Ya Allah. And grant us the strength to, to, to do those actions that please you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let us love you and let us love Rasulullah Sallallahu And be beautiful reflections of Rasulullah Sallallahu and his sunnah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, use us to guide others. Guide us as well and do not let, uh, do not let us go astray, Ya Allah. Guide us, guide our parents, guide our teachers, guide our mashayikh, guide our family, guide our friends, guide our progeny, Ya Allah. Do not let any of us go astray and grant us the best of this world and the best of the akhirah as well. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala mursaleen walhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Go ahead.